Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello, and welcome to Film Chat, a podcast all about Sam Foster, a socially awkward professional crossword puzzle writer whose only friend is his pet hamster. Worried that he's destined for a life of solitude, his concerned parents set him up with a charming news cameraman. That's me, Danny Moran. Over the date, Sam inevitably falls for me, but the feeling is not mutual. So I fake a phone call telling him that I have to cover some news out of town and use an excuse to escape the date. In order to protect Sam's feelings, I tell him that I wish I could uh, he could come with me, but it's not possible. I've got to get out of town. Please leave me alone. However, Sam takes me at my word and becomes obsessed with me. He writes a crossword for the paper entitled All About Danny, which for some reason gets him fired. Taking this as a sign, he sets on a road trip to reunite with me, is what I would be saying if this was a podaptation of the 2009 Sandra Bullock classic All About Steve. This is in fact just a podcast where we talk about and review films. I'm Dan Moran, and joining me is a sad, lonely man who eventually learned to love himself, Sam Foster. Hello. He's smashing through your windows. He's running away from the cops. Using random objects when he fights some guys and hides himself. Then fights more guys. Then hides himself. Then fights more guys. Then hides himself. And checks a laptop because the plot is all written on there. Oh, Jesus Christ, it's Jason Bourne. Wow. Wow. Uh, it's been nine years, but he's back. He's popped up on the grid. And the CIA have to whip out all their fancier screens and play a giant global game of Pokeborn Go to uh, try to track him down. Danny and I went to see if he's still thinking quickly and walking briskly. That's our only review this week, but we've got a bevy of other nonsense to discuss, including a whole bunch of trailers from Comic-Con, Michael Caine changing his name to the last thing you'd expect. It's a kind of a clickbaity way to describe that item. And a radical feminist take on Ghostbusters, which is so bursting with female empowerment it makes the Paul Feig reboot look like The Expendables. All that should leave just enough time for me to review some films I haven't seen using some words I just made up, such as Star Trek Beyond, which I will describe as positively bluting with zunderment, the BFG, which I will say left me hoppy-plopped, gag-wuzzled, and poopy-doopied, <laughs> and Ice Age Collision Course, which will prompt me to say, good flimini! What a fucking piece of shit. <laughs> Bravo! <laughs> Peter Fitch, films by David Lynch, films.
long We've got films up to your gills With films, 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 movies Are you feeling comfortable? Film chat has begun Film chat listener Jake Hoskins has written into us. He says, Hi, film chaps. The other day I was having a chat with some colleagues and one of them was telling us about a cat that her neighbour has that's up for adoption. But all it does is aggressively hiss at anyone that comes near. So I say, Foster pussycat, kill, kill. Cue bemused stares. Have any of your other listeners come up with similarly inspired film puns but not had any fellow film chums around to appreciate them? Even if not, perhaps they could make up an incredibly contrived scenario in which they did and write in. Something I promise I haven't done. This really did happen. All the Billy Best, J-Dog. That's, he's wow. making reference to faster pussycat kill kill. That's now. a great pun. And had I been there, I would have chortled heartily. Yeah, I would have laughed very, very loudly and um, very genuinely at that. I have a similar story, also mm. completely genuine. Okay. A friend of mine... Uh, has a habit of asking me questions in a series and expecting all my answers like in one stream of consciousness. Sure. And uh, he said, what film am I most looking forward to this year? And then what was the name of that 60s band funded by Arthur Lee? And how is my friend Howie, who suffers from acute anxiety attacks, doing? And uh, what do I think of the latest uh, Gaspar Noe film? And I, of course, answered, uh, Doctor Strange, love Howie's learned to stop worrying and loves the bomb. <laughs> love, 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 and three D is the bomb. Wait, 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 wait. Can you tell the story again? I feel like that that needs another. That so my some friend, yeah, okay. Ask me, yeah. What film am I most looking forward to later this year? Later this year, okay. What was the name of the '60s band fronted by Arthur Lee? Okay, he'd forgotten what that was. Okay, he figured I would know as a music fan. Uh huh. And then he asked how my friend Howie, who's got some anxiety issues, how's he doing? How's yeah. Howie doing? Okay. And they asked me, what did I think of Gaspar Noe's latest film, which is now on DVD? So you, so you replied, Doctor Strange, meaning that that's your film most looking forward to. Yes. Love, Arthur Lee's band. Yes. You, you said, how's Stop Worrying? How he's learned to stop worrying. How he's learned to stop worrying. <laughs> and then you said, described Gaspar Noe's film, film co- Love. It's the bomb. As the bomb. Loves the bomb. Loves the bomb. So Doctor... could you could you just say again what your answer was to all those questions? It was Doctor Strange, love how he's learned to stop worrying and loves the bomb. <laughs> <laughs> Did he laugh? Did he get it? No, he didn't Did get he, it. He didn't get your joke. He didn't get my great joke. And what Oof. are the odds of that happening? <laughs> <laughs> you must have been so delighted, especially when he asked the fourth question. Yeah. You're like, this is perfect. This is really lining up. <laughs> little does he know, you haven't even seen you haven't even seen Gaspar know his love. I've not. That sucker is probably gone, and he's probably watching that now, and he's like, this is a piece of crap. Why what, did Danny recommend this to me? Why did he say it was the bomb? Why did he describe <laughs> it as the bomb? Well, well, that was good. Excellent work. Thanks, man. Yeah. Genuine story. Genuinely happened. In uh, other correspondence news, Jazzy B, Jazz Deep, um, sent us a link to a new story about a Pokemon movie. We were discussing this last episode and wondering what form that would take. Apparently it's going to take the form of uh, the successful video game Detective Pikachu. That's going to be spun off into a movie. You're probably wondering, what the hell is Detective Pikachu? That was was my reaction. Detective Pikachu is a video game where Pikachu has expanded his vocabulary to the point where he can solve crimes. And he just basically is a video game when you collect clues, uh, ask people's questions, and just solve puzzles. And everyone was like, this is cinema waiting to happen. Sure. 
and Jazz Deep said, this could be amazing. Pikachu should be voiced by Nick Nolte or someone like that. There should be a new twist on the character, a cute cartoon character transformed to a gruff, burned out, corrupt, hard drinking, crazy cop type who hates himself and everyone around him. Maybe he has to kill Squirtle or something. <laughs> Jesus, Jazz Deep. I mean, there's dark and there's dark. There's not that many detective stories where like, it's all about how the detective has to kill someone. It's usually about <laughs> them solving some, the crime of someone else killing someone. But that aside, I think that's an excellent suggestion. I can see Nick Nolte voicing it. Pikachu. 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 Um, Do you think... I think it'd be... I looked up a ad for Pikachu. Pikachu. Yeah. It's all in Japanese, so he's just speaking on like a sort of... Like, oh, so he is speaking. Yeah. Is he speaking more like, you know, like a adult tone? Yeah. Not a sort of high-pitched, squeaky voice. Yeah, I don't know if I just don't have the ear for the Japanese accent to discern any nuance. Well, I ain't got the ear for the Japanese <laughs> I don't know this Japanese know. <laughs> dialect too well, but uh, I, it sounded pretty adult to me. Yeah. I think you should just keep just the one-word vocabulary. Yeah. Like that scene in The Wire where they just say shit. They just say fuck, actually. Oh, fuck, yeah. yeah. Fuck. They say fuck. fuck. They saw the whole crime scene just saying fuck, and they say motherfucker as well, I think. So Pikachu just the whole thing, but then he occasionally says mother Pikachu. Well, no, I think... <laughs> He can cover that with his regular vocabulary because yeah, if I recall correctly, he says Pika and he says Pikachu and he sometimes he just says Chew as well. Yeah. He? yeah. So he's really got three words at his disposal. I mean, most of communication is just the tone, right? 80% of communication is nonverbal, Danny. So here's a scene. It's like Pikachu. Ch- uh, chew. Chew. Pikachu? Pika. That, <laughs> I felt like that was scene. <laughs> that seemed like a natural conclusion to that to that scene, which requires no further explanation. Superhero films announced, casting rumors leaking out. M. Night Shyamalan's film is hated. Paul Thomas Anderson's is fated. Meryl Streep's Oscar tipped. Matt Damon's in a viral vid. Michael Bay's made a mint. That's the news that's fit to print. Um. So, any fan of Terry Pratchett? will be pleased to know that they're attempting to adapt his novel, The We Free Men, which is a sort of slightly younger skewing Discworld novel. And it's going to be helmed or at least overseen by his daughter, Rihanna Pratchett. And she's working with the Jim Henson company. And the original book, if you've not read it, is about a nine-year-old called Tiffany Aching. She's a young girl who discovers she's got a talent for witchcraft and she teams up with a group of blue scottish boozing angry little people i think they call themselves pixies and the queen of the fairies has stolen her brother and she's on a mission to get him back yes yeah. uh charming hilarious story story and for children yeah probably out of his novels maybe the most easy to adapt because part of the sort of charm of terry pratchett is all the sort of dickensian detail which you know a film might squeeze out in an effort to get into a runtime but this one's quite a sort of it's more straightforward. Yeah, exactly, and it has less of a sort of burden of uh, detail than the other ones. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting one. Pratchett, in his later uh, years, got super into the We Free Men like characters. Yeah. Um, which involves a lot in like novel form. I found a little bit wearing because there's a lot of like Scottish dialect, like regional humour. A lot of regional humour, <laughs> just based around the fact that they're hilariously Scottish. Um, and I can imagine it maybe working a little better in film form because it can be a bit more like authentic and doesn't have to rely on like how you write the words funny or whatever. Um, yeah. And it's also like 
throughout his entire career, there's been various attempts to sort of do film version of his novels with sort of limited success. There's like some of the TV movies are okay. Yeah. But they're just so um, suited to being books. You know, they exist in their perfect medium already. And to try and adapt some of the other Discworld novels, they're just like, they're very episodic. They're more TV suited, but you need the budget of a movie to realize them. And so you remember sort of Catch-22 trying to yeah, adapt that's, them. That's, yeah, that's probably true. But with the We Free Men, like, and the, some of the sort of younger adult skewing ones, they're kind of a bit more achievable. And it'd be good to see his tone translated in movies. Because I think, it, you know, it's all like Python, Dickens, sort of... Yeah, yeah. Super intelligent, satirical... I think I think going with like the younger stuff makes sense because it can be more of a kind of fun adventure for kids, which is... Yeah. Yeah, I think that... With uh, a cool heroine. Tiffany Aiken's a well. cool heroine. Rather than like a book, which is because Pratchett started off as like a parody of fa- like specific fantasy tropes, and then developed more into a parody of society <laughs> through like, but like in a fantastical setting. Yeah. And uh, because a lot of that stuff is about like world building, it's it's like you say, like it's more effective over time when you have time to kind of explore society and like you know, um, and uh, whereas like the young adult stuff is a bit like a bit less like that, a bit more adventurous. And yeah. Tiffany, I'm never sure how to pronounce her surname. Aching. Aching, yeah. Tiffany Aching um, is a, yeah, she's a cool hero. I think it'll be good. And the Henson Company strike me as a good fit. The sort of Muppets have a similar, not like completely compatible, but like similar sensibility to them. You know, they sort of retain the sort of satire elements and the sort of slight ridiculousness. Sort of yeah, like the of... playfulness. Yeah. Yeah. And Rihanna Pratchett, I think, is, um, you know, she's like an established writer in her own right. She helmed the reboot of Tomb Raider in the in video game form recently. Cool. Uh, as a sort of Which more, is more like feminist take on Tomb Raider. Her bust was smaller. Smaller bust. Her character was more well-rounded. Yes, exactly. But, yes, but she was less... I don't know. That's not, <laughs> no, go no, for it. Not. Go for it. It's great. There's a pun there. <laughs> I'm, backing, I'm backing away from <laughs> don't that Don't back one. away from that great <laughs> breast pun. Um, scared by the feminazis. Uh, yes, yes, I am. They terrify me, as, as do all women. But yeah, I'm psyched for it. Yeah, it'll be good. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. More news now. Um, so, Danny, there's been a lot of trailers lately. It's been Comic-Con's been going on. Yeah. And all we the, went there. We, we, haven't, we haven't been there. Um, Sorry. They asked us to go, but we were like, no, no, no. They were like, we sold out Hall H. And we're like, <laughs> busy. <laughs> Yeah, can't be asked. I couldn't go. CBA. It's my brother's birthday, so um, so we've just been experiencing it through the you know Twitter and websites and that kind of thing. There's been a lot of cool trailers for different things. There's been uh, what have you seen trailers for? There's a new Doctor Strange trailer. Doctor Strange trailer. There's been some like Spider-Man news has dropped and various. Other There's things. been a Kong Skull Island trailer. Yeah. There's been a Wonder Woman trailer. Justice League trailer. Justice trailer. Is anything? St- Trailer. <laughs> Has anything struck you particularly um, impactfully? I think my one of my favorite things about Comic Con was because Warner Brothers 
is sort of betting its house on DC movies working. Yeah, and, and they're, they're like freaking out a bit. They're freaking um, out because Batman because Superman was a bit of a. It was it bombed or bomb. I think well it made enough money, but it just the it's not know. it's not the film you want to launch your universe with exactly if, like, everyone hates it and they started shooting justice league like a week after this movie came out so the sort of course correction is very evident and so the trailer for justice league just like is so tonally worlds apart from the batman trailer it's kind of brilliant yeah and uh, i've made this little comparison video to or video i say you can't see it but it's the visuals are brilliant <laughs> but the audio is even better and i'm going to play it to show the disparity in approaches he has the power to wipe out the entire human race. And if we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. And we have to destroy him. Arthur Curry. I hear you can talk to fish. Every time your hero saves a cat out of a tree, you write a puff piece editorial about an alien who, if he wanted to, could burn the whole place down. Arthur Curry. I hear you can talk to fish. You're gonna go to war. That son of a bitch brought the war to us two years ago. Arthur Curry. I hear you can talk to fish. The greatest gladiator match in the history of the world. God versus man. Day versus night. Son of Krypton versus Bat of Gotham. Arthur Curry. I hear you can talk to fish. Wonderfully edited video, Danny. Thank you. Highlighted great contrast between the two of them. Yeah. Yes. I really like that fish line. Yeah, great line. I think that the scene where Batman visits the fishing village to talk about Aquaman is going to be the centerpiece of the movie. Yeah. I liked how they sort of realized that Aquaman was sort of silly, so they had to make him as like serious as possible. So like he drinks and like just like barks at things and like he's a dude well, and well he... they've kind of made him he's a bit like peter grimes he's like a sort of old um angsty fisherman character <laughs> who just sort of wanders in the rest of the village doesn't seem to trust him that much um yeah it's cool i the thing that really struck me watching it was that just because batman v superman was such a mess and that the storyline made no sense whatsoever that there's something kind of striking about like they're really pressing on you know like good for them despite the fact that that film made no sense everyone hated it the character the story is just gonna pl- just you know head keep head, on going keep on going um, don't let the bastards grind you down and and batman's like i think that he in the trailer he says something about um how he thinks something you know something is coming there's going to be a big battle i need yeah. a team to fight it or whatever it's like exactly like the avengers um, and we know how he knows that there's something coming. It's because he had that dream in Batman v Superman that made absolutely no sense. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, so it's good. I just liked being reminded of um, what nonsense that was. And I like how he's sort of permanently bemused now. He's like bemused Batman. He's like, sure, you talk to fish, you move really fast. Why not? Yeah, why not? The world's a bigger place now. I'm totally on board with that. I, I used to be that... terrified of those things, but now I'm like, why not? Now it's like Anything wicked. goes. Yeah. I'm hoping that the beginning of the Justice League movie is going. Him, he's going to be sketching out his perfect team. He's going to be like, yeah. what's going to really, you know, what will balance each other out? The different abilities. And he's probably thinking, I need someone who can like talk to fish. Yeah. I need a guy. I can run fast, but like not that fast. Yeah, can't run that fast. And I'm getting Su- old. Superman, he could fly fast, but he's like dead now. So, is there any other one? Anyone else who runs really quickly? Is there like a like a Greek hundred year old woman should be perfect? <laughs> And then it just turns out that everything fits the bill. Is there like a sort of like half robot man? <laughs> like nobody's quite sure what he does. <laughs> yeah, no one's really sure what that what that hero is. But but he yeah, great. brilliant. Okay, that's enough. Talked about that enough. In 
probably what is the most shocking news that's ever happened. Michael Caine has changed his name to Michael Caine. Uh, this headline involves a bit of backstory. So Michael Caine's real name is Morris Micklewhite. For some reason, he changed his name from that. I mean, that's a pretty starry name, Morris Micklewhite. Wow, put that in front of a movie and go see it. <laughs> and uh, he changed uh, he changed his name to Michael Caine in the 50s for his acting career. But he's officially changed it to Michael Caine because of the rise of airport security checks prompted by the Islamic State. <laughs> yeah, so he was sick of going to the airport, presenting his passport. He, the guard recognized him as in the airport. They're like, it's Michael Caine. This is exciting. Looks at the passport. They see that it says Morris Micklewhite. They're like, they're like press the panic agent. button. <laughs> Shut down. Shut down. <laughs> Lights start like, flaring. Sirens. Ten giant guys jump out the walls, grab Michael Caine, pin him to the floor, <laughs> like search him. Search every search. cavity. Yeah. Massive cavity search. Deeply. <laughs> Deeply intrusive. <laughs> and he travels a lot for work. All those premieres. I mean, so it's having God every- knows... Man, every how many week. times his every anus week. has been searched on this Now You See Me 2 press tour? Yeah, um, they're constantly trying to tear his face off and reveal <laughs> the terrorist beneath. Uh, so I've he's sick a, of that. I've got a quote from Michael Caine. He says, an airport security guard <laughs> would say, Hi, Michael Caine. And suddenly I give him my passport with a different name on it. I could stand there for an hour. So I changed my name. Right, good. I'm glad to hear it. I think he could have solved this issue with his nerdy sounding name by just pronouncing it differently. Mike. He should have been Maurice. My name is Maurice Micklewhite. <laughs> my Maurice name, Micklewhite. My name is Morris Micklewhite. Yeah, I think it's a cool name. I don't know why he changed it. But um, the, re- the, the story originally struck me just because it cropped up on um, Twitter. And it was just said something like, Michael Caine changes name due to ISIS. Or something. <laughs> well, the actual headline is, my name is Michael Caine. Actor changes name due to ISIS. <laughs> you know what? Like, no one even knows that he's not <laughs> called Michael Caine. Let alone why ISIS is relevant to this decision. So it's kind you of know what would make more sense if there was just like an evil Islamic terrorist called Michael Caine <laughs> <laughs> out there blowing shit up, causing havoc. Yeah, in, and in Michael same... Caine is like bored of like. Yeah, yeah. In the same way, they um, that guy uh, changed the name to Bronson in prison. Yeah, you know because he liked Charles Bronson. Yeah, like jihadi John or whatever. <laughs> changes his. It name. changed his name to Michael Caine because like he watched the Italian job and he's just <laughs> trying to blow some doors off the West or something. <laughs> and uh, that would be a good reason for him to change his name from Michael Caine <laughs> to something else. <laughs> I think there'd be something kind of awesome about a legendary film star who's got one of the most recognizable names in the world just changing it to be <laughs> like it's mid eighties. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm different. <laughs> Call me Bob. Yeah, you got to call me Bob. you got to call me Bob Hoskins now. <laughs> no, I've now I've got the name of someone who's died. <laughs> yeah, that's free. No one's using that. <laughs> it's recently got freed up. Now I'm Bob Hoskins. That'd be a pretty awesome move. That's making the film Mona Lisa, which they both star. <laughs> <laughs> Extra good music. Starring Bob Hoskins and Bob Hoskins. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, that's enough of that. Ooh, time for a break from all the film chat. Have a cup of tea, maybe make a quick snack. And telephone friends so you know where she's at. Right, that's enough. Now back to film chat. So, Bond's back. He's back. back. Yes, he's on the grid. He's on the grid. It's been nine years since the Bourne Ultimatum, which tied up the trilogy in a very satisfying and conclusive manner. Yes. And uh, Matt Damon and Paul Greengrass said they wouldn't return unless they had a great story. 
this well, is the story. <laughs> so, um, Bourne's in the wind somewhere. He's a bare knuckle uh, boxer, just punching people for money somewhere. And uh, Julia Stiles' character from the events of Bourne's Ultimatum has become something of a sort of cyber terrorist, act- terrorist hacker activist hacker. And she accesses some files which pertain to his backgrounds. This catches the attention of Alicia Vikander's character, who is a young hotshot cyber expert at the CIA. And she is a very ambitious woman who's sort of constantly butting heads with the top brass embodied by Tommy Lee Jones and a long line of craggy-faced old men Bourne has to face off. And this catalyzes a plot which involves Bourne traveling from the riots of Greece across Europe and uh, running, improvising weapons out of household objects and all, all the, the usual Bourne, Bourne stuff. Yeah. And here is a clip of... Uh, Alicia Vikander playing heavily, talking to Bourne on the phone. Bourne, my name is Heather Lee. I'm not in charge here. I wasn't here when you went missing. I can see you going through the old Treadstone files. Retracing your history. I know you're looking for something. Let me help you find it. Give me that phone. Yes, sir. Jason, this is Robert Dewey. Do you remember me? Jason, your dad was a patriot. He could see the threats that America was facing, and like you, he chose to serve his country out of a profound sense of duty. He would not want to see you harm the agency. You have to stop this. And you have to stop it now. One of several phone conversations in the film. And uh, so Hive Mind of Film Chat yes. was a little bit disappointed. Danny and I saw this together on one of our dates. Yeah. And we came away, I think, a little let down by Bourne. Yeah. I was actually a little bored during the film. Yeah, it's... Um, it sort of lived up to my fears. You know, what I worried that a Bourne sequel would be, it was. Exactly. It's sort of, it's not really moved on in the nine years. Just the big kind of sort of talking points around them coming back was like, we wouldn't do it unless, you know, we had a story and they felt like the world had changed enough. And there are some like nods to sort of like a Snowden-esque character in a more sort of cyber-heavy world. But this is kind of window dressing for what is basically a kind of reheat of the Bourne supremacy plot points with very similar action beats throughout, which are very competently done. And perhaps if this movie exists in a vacuum and this was the only Bourne movie I'd seen, I would have been a bit more impressed by it. But you can't help but just think back to superior sequences in earlier Bourne films and they sort of come a bit short. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I think the concept of it is irritatingly unambitious. It's like when they when they were saying that they had to find the right story for it, the thing that was um, interesting about Bourne is that he felt... Um, relevant and like ahead of its time and when the born identity and then the born supremacy came out it was really cutting edge and it like really influenced action movies and stuff and there's something kind of sad about seeing it come back now after um, every other movie has been copying it we've had all these bond films that were copying them and stuff and just seeing them kind of retreading old ground and now feeling a bit behind the times and seeming a bit lame and there's this opportunity paul greengrass is a very political filmmaker he's like started his career making very political stuff and um continued to do that with um through action movies both in born and with things like captain phillips and united 93 
And so he seemed like the perfect guy who would take the, you know, his like action template and graft it onto a incisive and up-to-date um, political tale. But instead, it seems more like this is written by a kind of random Hollywood hack who's seen the Bourne films and knows that Bourne has got to like stride about and, you know, be on the phone and like do things with, you know, cables and whatever. Um and that, and he's like, oh wait, I've got to do a nod to contemporary politics, so that there's a guy, there's a sort of Mark Zuckerberg guy, and there's a kind of um, Julian Assange guy, and like the Greek rights are in it, and you know, but it doesn't. The story itself is all about Bourne's dad, which is like, you know, not a character who's existed previously, <laughs> and no one gives a shit. You know, if it's going to be interesting, it's going to be interesting because of some kind of um, political, you know, subversive, anti-imperialist edge that's got something to do with the world as it is yeah exactly well the thing is why the born ultimatum is such a nice ending is because he's an amnesiac spy and by the end he's remembered everything and you know he's sort of he owns his identity to an extent and so perhaps like the sort of interesting angle on it not to you know if I was making the film, is the idea like now he knows who he is? What does he do? You know, he's a bit sure. You know, yeah. the thing that was driving him for those three movies, he's like find the answer to. And like, what does he do next? And that was like an interesting point. But what they've done is sort of contrived that he still can't remember something, and he's still got a few memories uh, blacked out. There's a few more flashbacks, and there's another a few little th- nuggets. There's another old man who somehow knows him, and he's like. You're always going to come home. It's like, after... <laughs> who are you? Who are you? <laughs> who are you, old men? It's like Chris Cooper in the first movie, then Brian Cox, and Albert Finney, now Tommy Lee Jones. Yeah. Who's going to be an ex-old man? Who's the craggiest man they can find? Like Those faces have been getting meltier and meltier. <laughs> like, in a sort of quite straight, straight kind of trajectory. Yeah. It's also a little... Um, I think, like, the Born of Man's like, 90 minutes. And this one has got... A, the fat's kind of marbled a bit. Yeah. And... There's a lot of exposition delivered in the sort of dumbest way possible, which is just people looking at screens. And there's a bit where he looks down at a notebook and it's sort of like, you know, the writer just couldn't be asked to have a conversation because he doesn't talk to anybody. He needs to get information somehow. And yeah, that's yeah. delivered through a lot of screen. Constantly uh, looking at screens and like, requiring the audience to just read really boring stuff. <laughs> um, yeah. And I don't know. It just it, the whole thing felt like a contractual obligation for everyone involved. Bourne himself has become, like, anything interesting from him has been stripped away and he's turned into a kind of sullen um, Bond-type character. Mm. And, and I think that, like, the there was a kind of angle on it that they were going for, which I think is a mistaken angle and also not one that they really followed through on, which is that he starts the movie having kind of lost... He, his, his sort of reason to be is gone since the events of the first three films and he's, like, miserable. And then now that when he gets back into some more spy stuff they start to think maybe he can, can be convinced to rejoin the agency and like, you know, uh, like maybe that's what, maybe that's what he's supposed to do is just like run around, beat people up and be a cool spy. Um, but you don't really get that sense of that, like dilemma for the character. He just looks really angry all the time. Um, so yeah. in in the other movies, you always have a sense that if it was up to him, he'd just be like chilling out. You know, he'd probably be quite happy just like having a normal life and stuff. So it was he was more interesting than Bond in a way because you felt like he was just a regular guy who'd been thrown into this crazy situation. He had these like abilities he didn't understand, you know that kind of thing. Um, yeah, he was you. He like, was you exactly. Like, yeah, rather than like Bond's like the man, right? And, like you could identify with yeah, Bond, he's the outsider. yeah, because he was like, leave me alone. You know, I don't want to like beat you all up, but yeah. I will and I can very impressively. 
Um, <laughs> I will like that. I will like that. <laughs> Whereas now... That was a great line from the first movie. <laughs> 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 I don't want to beat you up, but I will and I can. Pass me that piece of paper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Origami yeah. to death. Uh, but now he, that's that's sort of gone, and now he's like the unknowable carved glass, you know, um, killer dude. Yeah. Also, with the um, allusions to modernity, uh, like there's a very spectacularly choreographed sequence during the Greek riots, yeah, which, which is like, like it costs a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, the money's really on the screen, and like the uh, someone should give an Oscar to the second unit director or something because like some of the orchestration of action is really really impressive. But like the Greek riots already happened you know and yeah. like snowed already happened so it feels like it's kind of two years late that's rather true than um what's well, both late but also edge. there's no comment on those it's just set dressing it could be anywhere yeah you know it doesn't it doesn't have anything to say about like n- you know the european union or or like unrest or the crisis of social democracy or whatever like there is no political edge to it at all and uh i did i remember seeing something online that it was like um, Paul Greenwast was inspired for the new Jason Bourne movie by Paul Mason's book Why It's Kicking Off Everywhere, which was kind of about like you know Greece and stuff in the wake of the Arab Spring. Um, but that's not in the film. And then there's stuff about there's the kind of um, internet security stuff, which is obviously very relevant post Snowden. But the movie also has no real nothing to say about it, you know. And the the, the original Bourne sort of thing is all about like post 9/11 U.S. imperialism and about you know that sort of world police attitude that the US has. Yeah, and sort of, you know, the ends justify the means. Yeah, and like all of the, a lot of the um, uh, stuff around like the, the just training they had and like the sort of black ops sites and stuff, like it was all like very relevant because the US was doing like, you know, horrible kidnapping, um, extradition and, you know, torture and like, and that kind of thing. And it felt like, the, you know, at least had, it wasn't like great political trash, but it had something to say. Sure. And and so much has happened in the nine years since the Born Ultimatum that there's got to be a way to, you know, make a movie that still has some political edge that is an action movie. So... I feel like we maybe like shit on a bit more than... Uh, it was disappointing. I think it's definitely the worst of the four. Yeah, it's the worst one, definitely. And I think by the standards of a Born movie, it comes, short, it comes up short. By the standards of like a general action movie... It's kind of spectacular, and like some of the sequences uh, are good, uh, yeah, good. But I just wasn't invested in it, uh, yeah. at all. And also, so I'm sorry, like it's perfectly serviceable action movie that you would watch on TV if you were like in a hotel, you know. Yeah, I think it's like that level of movie. It's like fine. Some of some of the bits in it are really good, but the the the, the script was like unbelievably f- like tonally flat. Yeah, every line of dialogue is really really functional. Like no one says anything interesting. And I think the actors are having a really hard time. Julia Stiles gives the impression that she can't act at all. And I know <laughs> that she can. <laughs> like in previous I've seen movies, her do it. She, we've seen, I've seen her do it. She's good. Now, I, I like Julia Stiles a lot, but like, it feels like the script was thrust into her hands like one second beforehand. And like, she had to say a bunch of really, really like, exposition-y stuff. And yeah. I don't know. And Alicia Vikander and Riz Ahmed, who I haven't really mentioned, who plays a sort of Zuckerberg ex-character, yeah. are sort of doing their best with the material. Tommy Lee Jones is sort of just being, I'm not sure if any of those lines were written, he just sort of turned up. I think up. he's playing like, you know, you remember that meme from him at the Oscars, like not <laughs> laughing at the joke where he looks really grumpy. I think he's just playing yeah. that. Paul Greenberg saw that, he's like, perfect. <laughs> he was there for Captain Phillips and he looked over and he was like, genius. Yeah, exactly, yes, yeah. Captured this guy's it. miserable as fuck, he's going to be the next creepy old man in my Bourne film. Um, yeah, Alicia Vikander and Riz Ahmed are, are good in it. And with, with with very little to work with, I don't know. Matt Damon is always sort of value for money, but he just I don't know. Yeah, he doesn't have he doesn't have too much to do, unfortunately. Exactly. 
Yeah, say a little bit, a little bit of a letdown. Yesterday I bumped into Imelda Staunton She was up with her dog and we got talking I asked her what she does when she isn't acting She said she likes podcasts for relaxing Imelda, when you're in the mood What do you listen to? She said I listen to one podcast I listen to one podcast All the other ones can kiss my ass Because I listen to one podcast Film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat, film chat So um, on the last episode of Film Chat a couple of weeks ago We were talking about Ghostbusters Because we were reviewing it, the new Paul Feig movie And I mentioned um, that I kind of wanted to see the version of Ghostbusters that all of the crazy men's rights activist campaigners were saying that Ghostbusters was like Ghostbusters were kind of attacking like men and like men were you know women are taking over and it's too much you know we're like under their boot heels now they're crushing us with their like being in films um but I wanted to see that terrifying radical feminist version that would make men's balls shrivel and listener Olivia Waring has got in touch and written for us her pitch for the super female empowered aggressive um wow. aggressively feminine well, ghostbusters okay. you read it i'm gonna hold my balls and check what size they are at the end of it okay test your the ball size now before reading it they're huge go <laughs> got it okay so here we go new york the once world famous ghostbusters have become corrupted by their success peter venkman runs a paranormal themed porn empire shadow slits Rumoured necrophiliac Raymond Stans is housebound and spoon-fed by Thai brides after an operation to have his lower lip lower uh, excuse me. Rumoured necrophiliac Raymond Stans is housebound and spoon-fed by Thai brides after an operation to have his lower ribs removed left him paralyzed. And Winston Zedmore is now a wildly popular televangelist for Fox. And any information about the death of fourth Ghostbuster bespectacled Egon Spengler at Hugh Hefner's mansion two years ago has been swept under the rug by the FBI. None of them are fit to bust ghosts anymore. But malign paranormal activity is on the rise in the Big Apple. Quietly tracking it is geneticist skinhead vegan Beau Devoir. The chain-smoking workaholic is laying low after penis-bearing colleagues discredited her discovery that male DNA is fundamentally inferior to female DNA. Jobless and... Is there such a thing as male and female DNA? Nah, just chromosomes. There is for Ghostbusters. Um, jobless and seething, Devoir pours over her old stacks of ghost hunting notes and her collection of blacklisted surgical instruments. One day, Devoir is visited by her ex-girlfriend, Blythe Jackdaw, an alcoholic former mercenary and breast cancer survivor with ten face tattoos, all of Sylvia Plath. Jackdaw tells Devoir that a ghost showed up to one of her recent poetry slams and explained the rise of spectral shenanigans. Apparently, it's the restless spirits of female New Yorkers who have been abused, objectified, exploited, underpaid, and undermined by men that are returning for revenge. The furious phantoms will only be sated when the blood from the sexist pigs who have wronged them fills the lake in Central Park so they can drink it, preferably with ice and maybe a stick of celery. Devoir and Jack Dorr immediately enlist the help of Nina Coyle, a black belt harp player with a mullet who runs a hostel for victims of FGM. Her stepsister, Hex Wollstonecraft, a white witch and super coder who uses terrifying holograms to traumatize Reddit trolls, also joins them. The four women make their base in a soon-to-be-demolished public library and live on ice cream calzones. The most feminist of uh, 
of foods. Chicks love calzones. Soon, Devoir, Coyle, Wollstonecraft, and Jackdaw begin trapping the tormented ghosts of New York women into their hip flasks before unleashing them on their desired male victims. Devoir also fashions a range of weapons to help extract the blood of misogynists in the most painful possible ways. Unlike the seedy Ghostbusters of the 80s, she insists that their work will not be for themselves, but for billions of women throughout history, and billions more to come. I ain't afraid of no scrotes, Devoir declares, and I hope the same goes for you, sisters. With that, she christens the group the Ballbusters. After they complete their first mission by trapping the ghost of Kim Kardashian's humanity and befriending it, US President Donald Trump tells the fat dogs to go home and do something with their body hair. Now the Ballbusters know they must fulfill their duty to wreak havoc on the chauvinistic menfolk of New York, slice Trump's nuts off, teach Slimer to respect slimy women, and ultimately destroy the patriarchy strangling America and the world. Because busting balls makes them feel good. Sam. How are your balls doing, Danny? I, I can't feel my balls. <laughs> gone? Uh, Completely uh, gone and shriveled? That's just like two raisins. Oh dear. That's, that's, that's huge compared to the size of my balls right now. I know I just read it, but... But, yeah, it was devastating. Wow. I don't think I can ever look a woman in the eye again. Well, I the try not to. The sense of fear but... and shame will be overwhelming. I mean, even even more so than normal. Well, um, thanks for ruining my life, feminazis. Great. Another thing ruined. Ghostbusters ruined my childhood. This has ruined my life. Thank you, <laughs> Olivia. But it was great... But it was great. It Thanks was great so content. No, no, I loved it. I, loved I, it. I absolutely loved it. Um, it sounds violent. sounds brutal. I like the take on Ghostbusters where they actually team up with the ghosts to hunt humans and kill them. Yes. That's Invented. one thing that in, in normal Ghostbusters, they're trying to you know protect people from ghosts. So this is a fun twist where they help ghosts kill yeah. other people. Who say humans are better than ghosts? Exactly. Exactly. If anything, ghosts are better. Respect yeah. your elders. They've been around. They see more stuff. Exactly. Cut them some fucking slack. They've had a rough time. You know, they're they're from the afterlife. Yeah. And if they want to just like drink some blood of some, you know, men, why not? Why not? YOLO, man. YOLO. <laughs> Let him do it. And um, yeah, thanks a lot, Olivia. Excellent, beautiful stuff. Um, look forward to hearing the next chapter. In that particular sordid, terrifying tale. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so next week, what are we going to be talking about? Want to go see Star Trek or something? Maybe go see Star Trek. Yeah, let's go do that. Check, check another blockbuster. Hopefully it's better than Bourne. Um, and yeah. Just party. Remember to... We don't normally say this. I feel like we should. This is what regular normal podcasts do. Remember to review us on iTunes if you want to do that. That'd be great. Go on iTunes. Write us a nice review. Subscribe to us. Catch us on Twitter at Podcast Film Chat. And... Uh, yeah, and we'll see you next time. Have a great week. Have a fantastic week. Goodbye. Bye. The door burst open, and Oliver Reed walks in, and I never realised he was such a big guy. Big, big guy. He looked like a big bear walking in. He's, he orders a drink, and he's, I'm standing by the bar, and he's looking. That's a big dish. He looks around, and looks at me, and he goes, Oh, I see tattoos. I said, Oh, my God. He's legless and he's going to start on me. And he goes, I have a tattoo. And I go, oh, really? And he goes, would you like to see my tattoo? And I said, well, I think expecting to show me a fucking anchor or something on his arm. I go, sure. <laughs> he gets his dick out and he's got a... I, go, I can't even know what it was. Well, I, mean, I didn't really take that much of a look, but he had a tattoo on the end of his dick and he's going to sit out in the bar.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 